for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 right here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Instagram, IGJHood, Snap, Snap J Hood as well. Glad to be with you here on this Tuesday as we know what is going on in our world with the coronavirus. And I just want you to know that we're always going to be here to give you the sports that you need. We have always been a distraction for you in your everyday life, whatever's going on with you. But we know the pandemic that's going on. So I'll always be here as much as possible to be able to bring you that distraction for the next three hours as we talk to you about uh, the NFL. As a matter of fact, Eric, I'm feeling a little bears to start off the show. Let's bear down. Time to bear down right here on ESPN 1000. You know, the big storyline for the Bears is trying to determine what the Bears will look like offensively when you have Nick Foles as a quarterback or Mitchell Trubisky as a quarterback. The numbers and the story from last year, we well we know. It's well documented. You go from 12-4, and four, you're 8-8. Eight and eight. And so the big story is... What can Nick Foles bring to the Bears? Because Nick Foles could be the difference between trying to get to the playoffs and not getting to the playoffs. And that shows, to me, a disconnect that I have with Matt Nagy, with Mitch Trubisky, and, of course, Ryan Pace as general manager for this football team. Look at what the Bears have. The Bears do have a lot of assets, And we've seen what they have done here in the offseason, getting Nick Foles. Nick Foles is here because Trubisky was 28th in total quarterback rating. Nick Foles is here because the Bears were only able to muster 17 touchdown passes. Nick Foles is here because you take a look at the number of 32nd in yards gained per pass attempt. That's why Nick Foles is here. He's here because... It's needed for someone to jumpstart this offense, to be able to be confident, someone that has a Super Bowl ring, that can play the position. This is not just some bum backup. It's a good quarterback, not a great quarterback, but someone that definitely is ahead of Mitchell Trubisky as far as quarterbacks that we see every year in the National Football League. Some of the other things that the Bears have addressed here in the offseason is getting a tight end, and it is Jimmy Graham. Is Jimmy Graham better than Burton or Shaheen or Holtz or Broniker? Uh, I would say probably the same, just based on what we've seen from Jimmy Graham as of late. This is trying to catch lightning in a bottle, trying to find some semblance of the old Jimmy Graham in there. And to me, this is just pretty much Ryan Pace going through his old address book saying, you know, I remember Jimmy Graham used to be a good player when I was in New Orleans with him. Let's see what he has to bring. Jimmy Graham is a risk. Jimmy Graham is not the answer at tight end. He's just one of the guys that's on this roster. Barkevius Mingo, which is uh, a linebacker that has really been all over the National Football League. He's kind of a rotation linebacker, special teams guy. Uh, he's now with his sixth team in eight years. That's a lot. He's on a one-year deal, so it doesn't hurt much, but Mingo has been around a lot. 
And there's a reason why he hasn't stuck to one team for a long time is because he's expendable. Bears also signed a one-year contract with Deion Bush, a safety. He's a special teamer backup. The Danny Trevathan story of him signing a three-year extension with the Bears, a good player, a good player, but he's 30. And I consider NFL football to be a young man's sport. Unless someone is the caliber of Tom Brady, it's really hard to reason with any general manager in the belief that if you get someone that's 30 or older, then you sign him to a big contract. And I just thought that Nick Kwiatkowski, for someone who's 25, 26, who signed a similar deal to Trevathan, should have been the choice over Trevathan. Even though Danny is a leader on this football team, I don't want to get that twisted. He is a leader. But you saw Kwiatkowski seemingly every game he brought something new to the table, giving impactful plays. But they went with Danny Trevathan. Okay, cool. So then you take a look at Artie Burns, a cornerback on a one-year deal. And Robert Quinn is a strong deal for the Bears because of a five-year, $70 million contract. He replaces Leonard Floyd. That's a huge upgrade. And so when you see Robert Quinn in place for the Bears, what you're seeing is someone that is solidifying a defense that already was very, very good. As we talk about the Bears with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So, as I mentioned, all these moves, but the f- number one move is to get Nick Foles in place as a quarterback. But one thing that I've wanted here this offseason, it has happened. And that is someone to push Trubisky or to replace Trubisky. Either way, it had to happen. And so Kyle Long was on Kappa Company earlier talking about uh, Nick Foles and what Nick Foles could bring to the Bears? Well, I think it's one that has been asked for by the masses for quite some time now. Obviously, even before uh, before Mitch became uh, the guy, we knew that the quarterback situation was something we needed to answer in Chicago. We brought Mitch in. He did a great job last year. The entire team, including Mitch, struggled. So people people want answers. So you go get Nick Foles who the Jaguars paid a boatload of money to. And I, I think Pace and the Bears are only in on $21 million for Nick Foles. You correct me if I'm wrong, but that gives them an opportunity to have a trial period. Uh, is iron going to sharpen iron? Are we going to have a true quarterback competition? Um, are we going to see Nick Foles make Mitch better? Or are we going to see Mitch make Nick Foles better? Uh, but, you know, I was talking to my brother before I got on the, on the uh, phone with you guys and, uh, he, he was quick to point out that Nick Foles is the last quarterback to win a playoff game at Soldier Field. So um, there, there's something to be said about that. There's something to be said for his winning track record. But at the same time, I'm really excited to see the impact that this has on the offense uh, in minicamp, in training camp, and just that competition. The thoughts from Kyle Long, former Bear on with Cap and Company earlier today. Interesting thoughts there because, to me, the focus is on Foles and whether or not he can pay dividends for the offense. But my focus is not necessarily on Nick Foles because we don't know how that's going to play out in training camp. Remember, Ryan Pace lied to you and me regarding Mitch Trubisky. He'll be the starter. He's our quarterback. If he was your quarterback, you'd, you'd, you'd find some bum off the street, and then that would be the backup to Trubisky. But... You see, he lied, and I'm okay with him lying as long as this thing works out. 
I know Ryan Pace said on December 31st in that exit press conference with the press, and he doesn't do much press, but he did say that Trubisky was the guy in Indianapolis to the combine. Oh, you know, Trubisky's the guy. They're not really addressing the quarterback spot, but now they have in Nick Foles. But the focus for me is not necessarily on the Bears and Nick Foles. My focus is where are the Bears versus everyone else in the NFC? Even though there's going to be an extra wild card here pretty soon in the NFL, it is important for the Bears to be able to get into the playoffs. And the focus for me is, are the Bears right now as good as, say, the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East? Are they as good as Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and Zeke Elliott and a strong defense under Mike McCarthy? McCarthy is stepping into a job where it is not bare at all. He has got something quality there with this Dallas team. Now, can they win or will they underachieve? With Philadelphia, are the Bears and their personnel as good as Philly? With Alshon Jeffrey, you remember him, Deshaun Jackson, a Carson Winter quarterback under Doug Peterson, a team that's battle-tested, that's been to the mountaintop, that have won the Super Bowl. Bears as good as Philly? Are the Bears as good as the Saints? They've got some big-time targets here in Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders would be a great wide receiver on the other side of Allen Robinson. That would really work out well, right? But that's not where the Bears were going. Emmanuel Sanders now with the Saints. So think about the combination of Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders with the New Orleans Saints for Drew Brees. An aging Brees, but now he's got weapons, along with Alvin Kamara running the football. Are the Bears as good as the Bucks now with Tom Brady? The GOAT is now the quarterback for Tampa. Mike Evans, Howard the tight end. Yeah, are the Bears as good as them? I would say the Bears are as good as the Bucks. It's not necessarily just about Tom Brady. It's about the personality, the, the personnel around Tom Brady. The Bears do have personnel, but can they be able to get over the hump? That's the question. In the NFC West, you think about teams like the 49ers. We just saw them in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. Jimmy Garoppolo, a, a real find for the 49ers. He was with the Patriots and was under the learning tree of Belichick and Brady. He goes to the 49ers, and look what he did. Yeah, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but you would think that the window is open for the 49ers because Garoppolo, young quarterback, only has room to grow. I don't think he's going backwards. He's going forwards, especially when he has talent like Kittle at tight end, when he has Mostert running the football. They were in the Super Bowl last year, and they were a terrific team. They had some great moments last year. Are the Bears as good as the 49ers? You saw the Super Bowl. Anything dynamic about the Bears on the offensive side of the football that tells you that they're even close to the 49ers? What about Seattle? Bears as good as Seattle with Russell Wilson, with Metcalf, the way that he was able to catch the football, uh, with Carson running the football. Are the Bears as good as Seattle? Are the Bears as good as the Rams? We saw the Bears and Rams last year. It was a winnable game in Los Angeles. That was a game that the Bears should have won. And we, we're starting to see the Rams go the opposite direction. We're not do, here on ESPN LA, so I don't have to go through what's going on with the Rams, but just a little thimble of, of knowledge. They traded Todd Gurley to Atlanta for a reason, because Todd Gurley is hurt. And they paid a ton of money through the nose for Jared Goff. How's that working out? Point is, though, is that it's a team that has been, again, to the Super Bowl, that have been at the top. Are the Bears as good as the Rams? And then, of course... Here close to home in the NFC North, it's always the Lions, and you always chalk it up to either splitting with the Lions or beating the Lions. And then it comes down to the two teams up top, the Packers and the Vikings. 
And yeah, the Vikings are down one wide receiver, but of course they got a draft coming up right around the corner and the Packers are the hammer and the bears are the nail. So I just want you to think about where you think the bears fit. Where are the bears amongst all these contending teams? When I go through the NFC and what has happened, we're not even to the draft yet. We'll review the draft in our second hour, but we're not even in the draft yet. And just based on free agency, there are five or six teams that are better than the Bears in the NFC. It's one thing to root for the magic that Nick Foles can bring to a team. But the other thing is, is that if there's going to be magic, there has to be weapons. When I saw Jimmy Graham picked up by the Bears, I was thinking to myself, like, what, the, what is this? You want to get tight end, sure, but not necessarily someone that's long on the tooth, a guy that's almost out of the league. Jimmy Graham is closer to being a coach than a viable tight end, unless there's something that I'm missing with Jimmy Graham over the last three, four years. You see, when you go from 12-4 and four and 8-8, eight and, eight, and the reason why this is so urgent now on March 24th is because when the season starts, and I believe we will have an NFL season, but when the season starts, you don't want to be the 6th or 7th or 8th best team in the NFC. You want to be able to be in a position where you have everything that you need. Similar to Theo Epstein and the Cubs when they were going for the World Series. They want to make sure that they had everything that they needed to be able to fix the issues. Need a closer here, need a reliever there, need to have an extra bat if we need it. Then now we can move forward. At least we're going to try. And what the Bears the pickups that they've had, yeah, there's a couple of one-year deals here and there. But when it comes to the NFL, I've said this many times. If you're a frequent listener, you know this like I know this. If you do not have weapons offensively, you can't win in this league. It hasn't always been like that because many teams have won just by defense and, and offense just squeaking by. But it's important for the Bears to look at not whether or not the Bears can beat the Packers twice a year or the Vikings. That's myopic. That's, that's just nonsense to me. Because my aspirations is not winning the North. My aspirations for the Bears is to be able to win the NFC and to be in the mix for the NFC. I named for you the Saints and the 49ers in Seattle. I named for you the Rams. Teams that have been there. Philadelphia, Dallas. Solid teams in the NFC. And the Bears get up there to the top, and then they fall down. Get up there to the top, and then they fall down. There's not enough rhythm with this team successfully to believe that they can be able to do this in this naggy regime. It's all about the weapons. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. I want to get your thoughts on what you've seen in the offseason here for the Bears and I want you to tell me, you know, where do you place the Bears amongst the best teams in the NFC? It's not about the Packers and the Bears solely. It's about the NFC. Which, based on the moves that the Bears have made, especially with Nick Foles at quarterback, do you see this team as a playoff team? Put that in the poll, Sean, at ESPN 1000. Is this team a playoff team now that Nick Foles uh, is in the mix at the quarterback position? We don't know if he's a starter, back or whatever, but they addressed the issue. Based on the moves that they've made, is this a playoff team? What do you see? 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Coming up next, well, I'll take your phone calls on the Bears, as always, but we'll talk about Nick Foles a little bit further as far as a quarterback. So there's some positives for Nick Foles being with the Bears that he comes into 
in Lake Forest. We'll address that and more as we move forward right here on Under the Hood. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Glad that you are with me. Talk to you about the uh, Bears in the offseason. It's been very interesting what the Bears have done here in the offseason. And um, I'm looking forward to the season. I believe that we will have an NFL season. I just don't know the whole dynamic with training camps and everything else that's going on here with our the COVID-19 that uh, we are dealing with on a daily basis. But I believe we will have a season. Just don't Just don't know when. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to it because this is where the rubber meets the road, right? When it comes to the Bears and and Ryan Pace, there is a feeling of urgency at House Hall that we have not seen a lot of. At least I've not seen a lot of over the years. So after Lovey Smith was the head coach for the Bears and the tenure that he had, getting the Bears to the playoffs several times, a Super Bowl, of course, there is a feeling now of urgency. And I'll tell you why. If you take a look at the ebb and flow of the Bears over the years, you have seen coaches have two or three years, four years in the job before they are let go. And a lot of the reasons that some of the coaches in the past were let go is because the Bears and I told Eric this one night, and he was his eyes were big as saucers. Can you believe it? Like, you know, there was a time when the Bears didn't even have a general manager. You know, other teams had general managers and player personnel people, and the Bears didn't have that. It was kind of weird that you don't have a middleman between management and the players. The Bears didn't have that for a long time. And so I think I take a look at Lovey Smith's era, right? And I think about him from starting in 2004 through 2012. Then the Mark Tressman era, 2013-2014. You know, the team was 8-8, eight and eight, then 5-11, and, and Tressman was let go. And there would have been a time where Tressman would have had two or three, you know, would have had three or four years. But at that time, when you were going through a kind of a transition and thinking that maybe Tressman was kind of a transitional coach, to, for him to be cut off at the knees after a 5-11 and 11 season, it's almost like Virginia McCassie says, okay, enough of this clown show. Like, I, I, enough of the... You know, our press conferences and saying a lot and yet saying nothing. It was enough of that because she saw that there was a regression with the team. And that continued with John Fox. John Fox took the job because he knew this was his last stop. John Fox would not be hired as a head coach again. It has nothing to do with the Bears. It's just that this was the end for John Fox. This was going to be the end. This was the payday 2015, 2016, 2017. He could not get the offense going could not get what he wanted to get going. So it just, it didn't work out. So this was the end for John Fox. And now he's in television and rightfully so. And so here comes Nagy because you needed an offensive voice. You go from a defensive coach to an offensive coach in Trustman to a defensive coach in Fox. And now Matt Nagy is the head coach. I do not believe that Nagy is going to be going through what Trustman went through in which after a couple of years, he's just done. Like after this season, I don't see Nagy leaving. Because you still need to have an offensive coach in this offensive league that we watch every single season. I don't see them going to the to another uh, defensive coach anytime soon as, as the head man for the Bears. I don't see that. The point is, though, is that with everything that's going on, 
everything is centered on Ryan Pace as a general manager for this football team. Everything is centered on him because he's been this riverboat gambler. I didn't know Khalil Mack was going to come to the Bears. You didn't know it either. It was already a good defense, but he just had to have Khalil Mack to uh, re-solidify a defense that was already strong. So he gets Khalil Mack, and everybody's like, yeah, all right, cool. A top 10 player for the Bears? Absolutely get him in here. But then he's kind of gambling and betting against himself in the draft by getting Mitch Trubisky in here as a quarterback. That was a head-scratcher just as much as Jimmy Graham was a head-scratcher as the tight end spot here in this offseason. Just because I saw these quarterbacks that year that Trubisky was drafted, and he was someone I wasn't even on my radar as someone that could be that high in the draft. First round, middle to the bottom, maybe even high second, depending on the teams that needed things, uh, needed players on their draft board. But I didn't see Trubisky being that high and being drafted, and he was. Traded for it, Bears got him. And I understand Ryan Pace doesn't want to be wrong. But he sees an end here. No light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, he sees an end. If this does not work out where the Bears, once again, don't make the playoffs, I believe that same short leash that Trustman had and that Fox had will happen to Ryan Pace. One other thing before we hear from those that really know Nick Foles, we're going to hear from that in just a moment. Something about Ryan Pace. I haven't talked about this, but I think I should as a talking point regarding Ryan Pace, the personality. I understand that Ryan Pace is not forthcoming with the media. As a matter of fact, what does he talk? Maybe two, three times a year. He's not as open as Theo Epstein or Rick Hahn or even Stan Bowman to some extent with the Chicago Blackhawks. He doesn't, he does, they don't do a lot of talking. Michael Reinsdorf also very aloof in that regard where he needs to make some, have some answers about the bulls. And he just, he's never around enough to be able to talk about the bulls packs, uh, is is around more so than Michael Reinsdorf, but that's neither here nor there. Foc- focuses on pace. Pace comes from the New Orleans Saints, where the Saints are not necessarily open for business to the media either. And I think that Pace's demeanor, his unwillingness to speak or to use four or five second sound bites to express himself, comes from the Saints and comes from Sean Payton, because at the time that Pace was a second or third man in command for the saints. And you kind of follow the lead of Peyton. Peyton would say, give his mind, you know, speak his mind, give his opinion and kind of move on. And I believe that Ryan Pace is of that same mindset where he's got his, his, the jaws out and he's just going to be striding and telling you what he thinks the bears need in about 10 seconds or less, and then move on. There's no fa- fan friendliness there. There's no media friendliness there. So there's not going to be a lot of allies for Ryan Pace especially when he makes moves like we've seen here in the offseason, like the Artie Burns move is kind of odd, and, and definitely the Jimmy Graham one is, is also. So maybe the reason why that there isn't this likability factor when it comes to Ryan is because he comes to that New Orleans system and doesn't feel like he needs to give you or me or the press or anyone else any strong opinion about the team. It's interesting. So we talk about this with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So... I talked to former Bear Austin Lane. He's a talk show host in the afternoon for uh, ESPN Jacksonville. And I talked to him about a a number of things when it comes to um, Nick Foles. And 
because Nick Foles was in Jacksonville for a year, I just want to pick his brain on what he saw. So I asked him, point blank, can Foles win a starting job over Trubisky? To be honest with you, man, I'm a little surprised that the Bears did go in the Foles direction. Not because, you know, that the sample size last year in Jacksonville was so small, but just from the standpoint of I feel like Ryan Pace has to let Mitch Trubisky play because if Mitch Trubisky gets benched for Nick Foles, what does that say about your GM, right? You, you, I think you guys already cut Leonard Floyd. And, you know, right. you, they invested a lot in the first round for Leonard Floyd. And don't, don't forget how much you guys invested in Mitchell Trubisky. So if that plan doesn't work out, they always say the, you know, the, the quarterback position is always tied to the GM. What does it say about Ryan Pace? Now, to answer your question, do I see Nick Foles pushing, you know, maybe Mitchell Trubisky out of the starting spot? I absolutely do. Okay, because I think with what Nick Foles has, obviously, he's got the leadership. He's got the locker room experience. And I honestly think he's going to Chicago, and it's his spot to lose right now. You, you, you want to talk about Mitchell Trubisky, you know, obviously playing in a Matt Nagy offense, which is so offensive-oriented, right? He, he comes from Andy Reid. Andy Reid's system and everything in his coaching tree, they know the quarterback position. And I feel like if you haven't got anything from Mitchell Trubisky now, what makes you think you're going to get something from this season? So I actually think it's going to be – Nick Foles' job to lose. Now, obviously, he has to come in, he has to perform well, and he has to earn that starting spot away from Mitch. But I think right now, the way the cards are on the table, and assuming Nick Foles is healthy, I think it's his. I, I think it's going to be his job to, to be to be a starter. Thoughts there from Austin Lane, former Bear and talk shows from ESPN Jacksonville. I had him on last night because I wanted to get his perspective of Nick Foles being there for a year, got hurt, and then Gardner Minshew came in uh, as a starter for Jacksonville. So you know we're talking about Foles now, healthy. Uh, but there's a lot of opinions. Some say it's Mitch's job to lose. Some say it's uh, Foles' job to lose. All I know is that there needs to be an influx of more offense because 16 points a game is just not going to get it done. Uh, some other thoughts now from uh, from Jeff Dickerson because I want to be able to lean into this as well. So there was a moment where I think Matt Nagy kind of looked at Trubisky in year two last year and thought – Hmm. We went through all of this in the off season. We didn't let him play any preseason games, any exhibition games, but we worked on everything. And so he should be ready to go when the bell rings, right? To start the season. You remember that first game of the season that the bears played last year. And you didn't see a NFL quarterback anywhere in blue and orange. No, but no, there was no real quarterback on the field in blue and orange last year. So I asked JD directly. I said, JD, do you, can you pinpoint the time in which Trubisky and Nagy was trending in the wrong direction? Oh, I mean the first game against the Packers last year, that was a nightmare. And I'll tell you guys why, you know, the bears were coming off this 12 win playoff season in 2018 and Trubisky played. Okay. Remember I'm saying, okay. He had a six touchdown game against Tampa Bay who had the worst secondary in the NFL that year by far. That was a confidence-builder type game. When the Bears ran into good defenses, Trubisky struggled. But they still won because they had this historically amazing defense. If you think of all, if you watch the Bears that year, they had field position like you wouldn't believe because the defense gave them all this plus field position. They scored all these touchdowns defensively. The numbers offensively weren't great, but they were good enough. The hope last year was that Trubisky in year three would make these great strides. And then the Packers game, the opening of the NFL season, the centennial, and I mean he bombed. 
He bombed. And that's when Matt Nagy said, uh-oh, this isn't going to work. i got to change things. And then he goes so conservative the next week against Denver that he almost loses to a terrible Broncos team. And early in the season last year, the Broncos were bad. They got better as the year went on. They almost lost that game on the road, had to kick a game-winning field goal to win. So right away, you knew last year that the offense that Matt Nagy was trying to run, this quarterback was not going to run it. And right there was the root of the issue, and it never really got better throughout the entire season. J.D., talking about it uh, with me uh, this past Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he knew that there was a, a problem, and that was game one against the Packers. That didn't work out well. He didn't look like anything like an NFL quarterback in that game. And there were certain games that were similar to that in which there was points put on the board, but it just looked pedestrian at best, and that's being kind offensively. And this is why Nick Foles is in the, in the mix. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Based on what the Bears have done, do you feel that they are a playoff team? And we went through some of the offseason moves. Does Nick Foles immediately put the Bears in the playoffs? We're talking to you about that. Also have a poll question up at ESPN1000 on Twitter uh, regarding that question. Still to come, we'll talk about the Bears and their needs in the draft. That's been documented from several columns today. Uh, We will get to that and more as we move forward here. Talking Bears with you, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at TweetJHood on Twitter. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Talk to Howard Griffith, two-time Super Bowl champion, Chicago Zone for the Big Ten Network. His thoughts about the upcoming draft from the NFL and his thoughts about the Bears as well. I could talk football all day with Howard Griffith. And, of course, we have him on because... As you all know, we got to check our seniors during this very difficult time. So we're going to check in, check in with Howard coming up at 820. He won't like that. On ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So um, our focus is on what happened in free agency with the Bears. Nick Foles is the story. And it's going to continue to be the story throughout the spring and summer because it'll be very compelling to find out what the Bears have done with the quarterback spot at, at the end of the day. But... I saw Mel Kuyper, he published his third mock draft of the 2020 NFL draft season. And even though the Bears don't have a first-round pick this year, there are still valuable takeaways from the projection. So there's four quarterbacks off the board in round number one. And reading NBC Sports Chicago earlier today, it said Bears fans who are uh, hoping that general manager Ryan Pace will pull the trigger on an early-round quarterback could be looking down the barrel of Jacob Eason's right arm. Kuyper has Joe Burrow, Tua Tungo-Vailoa, Justin Herbert, as well as Jordan Love as first-round picks. But Eason, who some draft analysts predict that he could be toward the bottom of the first round, he may not make the cut. He might be in round number two. Um, So let me just focus on the quarterback just for a second. This is a Ron Wolf thought the old general manager from the Green Bay Packers believing that you should draft a quarterback every year, no matter what. And this has been in the bloodstream of Chicago media and others for a long time. Many coaches and other personnel around the bears have been asked, you know, Ron Wolf, who was a successful general manager with the Packers always said that you should always draft a quarterback. And this is something the bears have not done. And there's a reason why is because cultures change, they're in and out, philosophies change, and 
so the question was posed again to Ryan Pace over the last couple of years of drafting quarterback every year. And he was amenable to that saying that, yeah, I, I see myself drafting a quarterback. Sure. I drafted a quarterback every year. Yeah. But that has not happened. <laughs> That's the thing. Like that has not happened. And if the bears want to be able to look toward the middle or the bottom of the barrel to find themselves a quarterback, a backup, some, someone that is going to be on the practice squad, go right ahead. But just know that if you don't believe that Trubisky is the guy for the long haul, clearly not because they have not signed him to an extension, and more than likely it won't happen. Keep in mind that Nick Foles is not the guy that's going to be around here for six or six to ten years and going to be the savior for this team. I think this is a short-term deal by having Foles in the mix as a quarterback, whether he's a backup or a starter. They paid him through the nose. He's going to start at some point, right? But you got to also think about the future also. And I'd say that if you can find a quarterback that you think that can work in the Aggie system or someone that you believe in, you should draft him for sure. No tight ends picked up in the top 32 in the first uh, pick uh, picks of the draft, according to Mel Kuyper. So according to Kuyper's mock draft, 2020 will be void of any first-round tight ends, and there's a chance that the Bears could be the first team to pull the trigger on one this year. So when I look at the tight ends that I'm familiar with that I saw, Komet, the, um, the tight end for Notre Dame, uh, Pinckney, Jared Pinckney from Vanderbilt, uh, Bryson uh, Hopkins from Purdue, Colby Parkinson from Stanford. There are some tight ends that are on the board. Uh, how good they are on the next level, I don't know. I think that the Notre Dame quarterback, uh, Notre Dame tight end is solid. I think I've seen Pickney play for Vanderbilt because I'm an SEC fan, so I know that he could be solid. But you've got to be able to grow at that position. You've got to be able to plant your seeds and pour water on your tight end and let that guy grow and be a, a safety valve for whoever's going to play the quarterback position uh, for this football team. So then we look at the offensive tackle. Don't expect an offensive tackle to fall. The Bears haven't addressed their offensive line at all in free agency, and they're hoping to be able to add a quality tackle in the 2020 NFL Draft. According to Mel Kuyper, though, as many as six will come off the board in the first round, leaving the Bears with a clear second-tier prospect. Uh, so offensive lineman, uh, oh, offensive tackle, that's, the, that's our focus here. So it's Tristan Wirfs from Iowa and Willis uh, Jr. from Alabama and Andrew Thomas from Georgia, who I've seen who is a stud, by the way, not just because I'm a Georgia fan. I just know that he, he was pretty solid uh, for the Bulldogs. Uh, Becton, Makai Becton from Louisville, Josh Jones from Houston. And so you can be able to find, I think at that point, best available or someone that was from a solid program that was an anchor for an offensive line for three, four years and find who you think is best. You got to upgrade that position too. There's no doubt. The other spot, of course, is the safety spot. So only one safety appears in Kuyper's first round mock draft, and that's Antoine Winfield from Minnesota. There's great news for the Bears defense that as of now, they're going to have, they have Deion Bush uh, along with Eddie Jackson, uh, which is fine, but it, it says that if Chicago can land a prospect like Jeremy Chin in the second round, uh, that compared with Jackson, there would be a really solid safety tandem. Um, 
And so I see Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin went to Southern, Southern Illinois. And according to several mocks that is in front of me already, Chin is uh, the fourth best safety that's available. Um, McKinney from Alabama is number one on the list, followed by um, Davis, Ashton Davis from California, uh, Jordan Fuller from Ohio State, J.R. Reed from Georgia. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> I think even as a Georgia fan, I'm, I'll put my hand up. Okay, I think let's start looking at LSU, Alabama, some of these other teams in the SEC. We've had a run of Georgia uh, players uh, for for the Bears, so I'm I'm good if you look at other schools in the SEC. I think uh, I think after the Leonard Floyd debacle, in which I said at the time that I wasn't necessarily the biggest Leonard Floyd fan, I think that the Bears can look more than than just Athens for their next level stars. Um, so that's just kind of a look at what the Bears need. So you know it's safety, it's offensive tackle, it's tight end, it's a quarterback spot, and, and some other spots that you look at as well um, to shore up that defense on the back end. Uh, but there are some names here. And, again, we'll talk to Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network coming up uh, at 820. We'll get his thoughts on some of the things that, the, that stands out to him regarding the draft and his, some Bears thoughts from him coming up at 820. Um, some thoughts now from several people. I'll just uh, stick to Kurt Warner because Kurt Warner is a Hall of Famer uh, and knows quarterback position well. And so when it comes to Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, the question is, will, will there really be real competition between Foles and Trubisky once training camp starts? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think the bottom line first with Mitch is you know what you've seen in Mitch. And I think that's how you, you gauge it. I, we, we get so caught up sometimes in stats and all of that. And I think more times than not, you have to look at the quarterback position and go, are they doing the right thing with the football? Are they making the right decision or the right check? Is the ball going where it's supposed to go? Are they consistent in that? Um, you know, do they have the timing or are they just running around and creating? And, and those are the things, you know, I remember when I would go through the competitions throughout, you know, my career. And, you know, coaches would – uh, they would grade or they would, you know, write down the result of every single throw that each quarterback made, and they would put notes on it. And so they would break down everything that happened, you know, throughout training camp and throughout, you know, preseason and all of that stuff. And that's really what it comes down to is, is you kind of got to weigh everything. You put them in different scenarios. You, you see decisions that they make. You see how guys rally around them. You know, you also have to take into consideration – who they're playing with and who they're playing against when it comes to preseason and, and all of that. But in the places I've been, it's been an extensive process where it has come down to every single throw. They want to see, can you handle every situation and every throw? And if you have a bad day, how does that affect you? You know, what, what do you do if you have a bad day and the guy next to you has a good day? What's tomorrow look like? How do you bounce back from that? You know, those things to me are, are so important. But, um, but you're right, if, we have limited, if you have limited reps there, um, you know, how does that look? But once again, I think in this situation, if you have limited reps and it's anywhere close, I believe it's Mitch's job. It's his job hmm. to lose, but the leash will be very short now that Nick's in there, in my opinion, where it's like we're not going to let you go through eight games and this season to be gone before we move to Nick. We're going to give you a couple opportunities early to show us that you've made strides and, and we can win with you. Otherwise, we're going to go to the guy that's, that's proven that he can win in this league. So, uh, Kurt Warner, the Hall of Famer from the NFL Network and Westwood One, talking about uh, the, the competition 
with Trubisky and Nick Foles. I can't wait for this summer or the fall whenever we'll see uh, both of these quarterbacks on the field because it's important to have competition. Trubisky needs this. Whether he's going to be a starter or not, he needs to be pushed. It's more than just coaches. It's about competition. That guy next to you in the locker, it's about him trying to push you. And we'll see if Trubisky can be pushed and be able to flourish in that spot in year number three. Chase Daniel is never a threat, but Nick Foles is a threat. That's why this is really interesting. Coming up next, do you realize that the Bears could have been able to even upgrade even more so at the quarterback spot? Even better than Nick Foles, I think. We address that next on UTH. This is Under the Hood. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. You know, I had like a 10-minute rant all set up for the NCAA about a story I saw earlier this afternoon. But it's been updated, so I'm going to give the NCAA for once a pat on the back for this, right? So Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback for Clemson, and he is going to be... All-world next draft. He's going to be the guy. So Clemson's Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback, and his girlfriend, uh, they started a GoFundMe page to try to help coronavirus victims. NCAA rules forced it to be shut down. That was this afternoon. But then the NCAA announced late Tuesday that it's making an exception. They're making an exception during the coronavirus outbreak to rules that prohibit student-athletes from using name, image, and likeness for a crowd funding efforts. So the, uh, the state, which is the Clemson newspaper in South Carolina, um, reported earlier that Clemson's compliance department had asked Lawrence to end the campaign. The NCAA reached out to Clemson athletics department shortly after that story was published and said that the intentions were good. So, um, Lawrence and his girlfriend are expected to revive their fundraising efforts. Well, while you're at it, NCAA, just lift it for anyone that is trying to use their likeness for good like this, right? This, some things are just uh, are just no-brainers. Some things are just like it's obvious. Hey, you know, hey, NCAA, there's a, a real bad pandemic that's happening right now. A really uh, bad situation is happening right now. So I want to be able to raise money for people that in need. You know, and thank goodness the NCAA had a heart for once and said, "Okay, we're not going to go with this old, stodgy, nonsense rule book from the 1950s that are not relatable to 2020. We're going to allow you to use your likeness for something like this. That should be always in place in the legislation of the NCAA. I mean, it's seems simple to me. I mean, gosh, I mean, it's just. It's just amazing. Uh, and I know, I understand from Clemson's standpoint, it's like, hey, you know, this is the compliance department. This is what um, we have to make sure that we're not going to get in any trouble. But from the NCAA, this is something that should always happen. If there is something like this where someone is in need, a player should be able to utilize his likeness to be able to help people. Uh, simple enough, right? Eric, how much time do I have? Do I have a minute? Yeah, you got some time. I have time? Okay. Yeah, you got a minute and a half here. Okay, so, so time is so no, – no pressure. Okay, so I wanted to uh, talk about Cam Newton because the, there's a story out there from earlier today that the Bears were in the mix for uh, Cam Newton. And so I will tell you this, that even though I believe that we are not seeing um, 
we're not going to see the same Cam Newton we saw in college or the same Cam Newton we saw earlier in his career with Carolina. Cam Newton can still play the game. Now, it's not the dynamic Cam Newton, the Superman Cam, that could be able to run up and down the field because when he first came into the NFL, I saw him like, like ben, Big Ben 2.0, right? Big guy, 6'4", 6'5", 250 pounds. And so from Ian Rappaport at Rap Sheet, the Panthers tried to send Cam Newton to the Bears and Chargers. They found no takers at this point, no starting jobs available. Uh, the release was the only option. Carolina has $2 million in dead money with this release, but Cam is now free. So the Bears, according to, again, this is according to Ian Rappaport, that the Bears were in the mix, and the Bears said no. Now, here's the thing. If I have my druthers, Cam is not the same Cam. We're talking about a guy that's 29, 30 years of age. I get that, right? Um, but still, he's got a cannon of an arm. And the thing I don't know is about his medicals. Is that ankle healthy? That's the thing that slowed him down. The reason why that he lost his job to start with last year is because of injury. So put this on the poll, Sean, at ESPN 1000 on Twitter. Like, who would you rather have as a starter if it's, you had your druthers? Would it be Cam Newton? Would it be uh, Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles? I like Cam Newton. I just don't think you get the same Cam that you saw before. Now... You know, instead of Superman, it's Hello Kitty when he opens up his you know jersey like he's Superman because it's not the quite the same guy. It's not the, it's not quite the same. Um, but maybe a different can that utilizes his arm more so than his legs. Maybe he can still be vital. Maybe there's still good court. Maybe there's still good offense in Cam Newton. I like him. I don't love him like I used to, but I like him. Uh, but I'm interested in knowing the medical. And how strong he is. Can he still be a productive quarterback? I would say I would probably give him the nod over Foles in that regard. The only difference is Foles has got a ring. And he comes from behind and does a nice job as a backup. But we've seen Cam as a starter. I just don't know what he looks like now in 2020. So we put that on the poll at ESPN 1000. I want you to respond to that. 312-332-ESPN. All right, coming up. So... The Chicago Bulls, we'll talk about the Bulls coming up because the Darnell Mayberry piece in The Athletic was fire. He really illustrates what's been going on with this Bulls team as the NBA has stopped. We'll get into that and more moving forward. Thanks for listening this hour to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood.